Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 118. I'm your host, Em, and with me is my regular co-host, Jackson. Hello. And we have a guest, Molly. Hi. Uh, do you want to tell people who you are? I assume everyone knows, but if they don't. I would. Ho- I hope they know. Uh, I, my name is Molly. I uh, host Journal Updated here on Abnormal Mapping as well. Do a bunch of other podcasts, Eidolon, Totally Reprise, that kind of thing. But you, you probably see me around if you're in the Discord. I'm, I'm in there occasionally. There are yeah. Probably people listening to this who just listened to like this one. That's I true. Didn't... Yeah, that's probably true. Want, you should listen to Journal Updated. It's the second best game. Dot club. Dot club. Dot club. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't buy that for you as a nice little 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 gift. It's it's my favorite. Uh, yeah. I I don't know what how people think of this podcast. You should just listen to like this because you know we're the gaming show. <laughs> we yeah, do so much more I, other stuff now. Yeah. I mean, this is this is still our biggest listenership podcast. So I know there's people who listen to this and nothing else. Uh, thank you for sticking around for almost ten years at this point. Yeah, that's nice. Um, we'll be coming up on nine years real soon, like November, right? October, November. That's scary. Yeah. Uh, I think we've been doing Toy Reprise for five and a half now. Yeah, it, it's we've been going veterans of podcasting. <sighs> yeah, been at it for a minute. Um. Okay, video game time. Jackson, do you have? A, do you want to give us a football update, or do you have anything else? <laughs> a lot of Pro Evo because it's time for Pro Evo season. Um, but aside from that, you know, not really. I've been, you know, we, I spent sixty hours on Lost Odyssey, and between then, I messed about with some games. But it, you know, it was mostly just playing uh, Pro Evo or Football Tactics and Glory, which is uh, a what <laughs> turn-based uh, tactics football what? game. What if what? What if uh, what if a football was turn-based? Yeah, sure, whatever, man. Um, really, I want Inazuma Eleven, but I don't like the touchscreen controls, and I'm really uh, searching for this in the world. <laughs> they need to hurry up with that PS4 yeah. game, is what I'm saying. <laughs> for for football, for football, yes. I don't know. Yeah. It's been it, it you know I. I been watching football stuff on because it's happening right now and i've been talking about it with my friends i play played a bunch of games and it was fun it's gaming time yeah my co-workers watching the euro so i've i've also uh by association been watching the euro cup (laughs) the the euro cup that's a very american way to say it the euro cup i don't know that's just what i've been told people call the euros so calling it the euro is like a very well i said that first and i wasn't sure if it got across so yeah okay um, but it's, it's, you know, Pro Evo is just like the most, um, uh, just goes down very easy game. You know, when you have got like three hours to kill and some podcasts to listen to, let's play some Pro Evo. Yeah. Molly, what have you played that you would like to share? Uh, I have played, I've mostly been playing Lost Odyssey. It's a big one. Yes. But, uh, I also, we're doing Bioshock for Journal Updated this month. Uh, I think you'll hear this before that, if, if memory serves. This probably goes up Monday, would be my guess, so. Yeah, so probably before, uh, Journal does. So yeah, I played Bioshock. Uh, I also played Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which I know you also have, Adam. Yeah, I was gonna wait till next month, but then I finished the game. So yes, I also finished Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Yeah, that's a that's a good fun little video game. It turns out that they just, can just still make those and make them good. And if you have a new console that's really like shiny, um, it helps. You'll buy a lot of. Listen, I have just been looking at the game store. Like, I do need something to play on this expensive machine I bought. So, uh, I haven't played any Ratchet and Clanks before because uh, I had I had Jack and Daxter as a kid, and I was like, well, this is probably the same thing. It's not. 
It's not. Turns uh, out, the Ratchet, the but... problem with Ratchet and Clank is literally every game is this game. They just make one game. Um, so you, it's not one that you want to go back and play a bunch of because it's just this again. Yeah, I was thinking like maybe I should go and look at those uh, older ones. I was like, you know, I probably don't need to. Yeah. I'm probably good. Maybe I'll play the PS4 one at some point because I have it for free, I think. I think it's in the yes. the plus collection. I think that's like one of the worst ones you can play, but sure, you can do that. Probably I could. Uh, yeah, so we'll we'll see. Um, that's, a, that's a fun little video game. Yeah. Well, a lot of fun little guns in it. Uh, and, you know, platforming is still good. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, is that it? I know you've been busy. You got all sorts of stuff. Uh, I also started Scarlet Nexus last night. Okay, how is that? Uh, but I don't have a lot. It's it's pretty fun. I think I'm gonna like it. Uh, I didn't get past much past the like the tutorial mm-hmm. stuff. Is it is it um, a Souls kind of game or is it more no, just an action? It's not like a Souls okay. game as far as I could tell. It's just an action game, okay. which is which is good because I don't know if I wanted it to be a Souls game. Okay. It looked like it looked like the same uh, the same kind of game as Code Vein mm-hmm. might have been, but it is less uh, Soulsy than that. So okay. that's nice. Um, but yeah, it's anime, baby. Yeah. Uh, I also played Ratchet & Clank, obviously. I've played Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, Intergrade, but we have a VoIP life coming out at the end of the week that's going to be free for everyone, where you can just hear me and Jackson talk about that game for like an hour. Uh, so please look forward to that. Um, I started yes. episode Yuffie today, but stopped it to record this podcast. Uh, so I will continue and report back on something about that when I finish it. Um it seems good. Getting music that's not just the seven songs stretched to eternity is nice. The music in Yuffie is fantastic. It turns out if you just let them write new songs, they're good. That uh, the Happy Turtle theme is fucking banging. <laughs> anyway, um, with those two games and like my experiences with, like Xbox and stuff, the thing that I've realized about the new consoles, and this is obnoxious because they're expensive and hard to get, is that just having things load quickly has made me enjoy games again in a way I did not for years. Yes. I didn't realize how big a deal it was that I don't have to wait for a minute and look at my phone and get distracted and be like, do I really want to be doing this right now? Um, but it, that, it's true. That's why I hated my PS4. I literally think that's it. It's just load times. Uh, the load times on a lot of games are pretty extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's really weird just coming back to games in the big way this year and being like, what? why? What changed? Like, I know sometimes things are cyclical. My emotional state's different, but also just the games load fast. <laughs> It, it can't be stressed how big... Like, you know, when you play something on a PS4 that's like a big graphics game, you can be 90 seconds in load times when you die, depending, you know. Some of them better optimized than others, and some of them handle it fine. Um, but, damn. When you die at yeah. a boss in Kingdom Hearts 3, you're waiting for at least a minute to get back to it. That sucks. Yeah. There's there's no loading times in Ratchet and Clank. Zero. Yep. None. Yeah. No loading screens. Yeah, it's it was wild. amazing. Uh, when I played uh, Intergrade, there's like tooltip loading screens. Didn't see a single <laughs> one. They took them out of that game because there's they, there's no time to display them in the few little loading screens you do get in between like fast travels and stuff. Yeah, you truly love to see. Yes, that. there were so many tooltip loading screens in Seven Remake. So yeah, that's good to hear. Um, but anyway, I played Observation, which is a, I played this on my Xbox. I do not oh, know. Oh God, that was this month. Yes. <laughs> I've been gaming. <laughs> I, uh, I played, uh, Lost Odyssey relatively early and finished it like the second of the month or whatever, and just kind of chilled for the rest of the month. Uh, that is developed by no code and is a, it is a game in which you are on a like international space station and you are the AI when something bad has happened and you navigate through like 
the the stationary cameras on the station as people on the ship are like trying to repair it um and you interface with all of the like broken machines by going in and like messing with all these bespoke uis as they're trying to tell you where to go and what to do um and also there's like a 2001 style space mystery happening around you um like maybe you're communicating with something else that are untrustworthy, but it's all confusing. Uh, it presents as a horror game. It's not a horror game. It's just a cool sci-fi thriller thing. Um, there's a couple spooky bits, but n- like there's like one thing that's like a light jump scare that you, you'll see coming and it's not that bad. Um, so I do recommend it. It's really cool. It's just like and float around in like beautiful 3D environments and, uh, Na- mess with computers sort of game, which is uh, all I like. Though, hilariously, I mean, this is like a really small game. Um, it just looks nice because that's how engines work now. Uh, is all of the mo- character models seem to like be one foot like to the left of where they're supposed to be. So they'd clip through fucking everything for like large stretches <laughs> of the game. <laughs> Incredible. Which you love to see. That's, vi- that's video games. Yeah, that's video games. Um, then I finished Dragon Quest Two finally, um, which is, is is a strange game in that like it it, it brings parties to JRPGs. They're, Dragon Quest One was one person, and now you have three people, and you have a party, and they balance the game around like we're going to make the battles fun. You've got like a mage, you've got a healer, and you've got a fighter, and we're going to make it so you're always like navigating like the the combat puzzle in like a way that was radically ahead of its time in terms of thinking of like how you fight video in a video game. The problem is they balanced that to make individual fights fun and forgot that this is a game where you go into a dungeon and fight 30 battles in a row. And thus it's one of the ah. hardest games I've ever played. <laughs> yep. Um yeah. So I struggled up through to the the very end, like the final dungeon, and then I threw on some cheats because I'm playing this on a Game Boy uh, flash cart with some emulation uh, abilities and just stomped through with infinite health and finished the game. Uh, I highly recommend doing this if you're able because every guide's like, well, now that you're at the final dungeon, uh, level to max level before you fight the final boss. I don't want to do that in anything anymore. I'm 35. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is what I did when I was 16 and playing Final Fantasy VII over and over and over again. When it was the late nineties and nothing would ever go wrong. Yes, exactly. Um, and so uh, that that's fun. I recommend people try it if you're into Dragon Quest. Like the first half's really incredible. Uh, it's got great pacing, and then the difficulty curve just goes off the rails at the end. And they knew it was like developed in a rush, and they spent like the last couple months of development desperately trying to make the game easier, and they they still didn't hit their target. It's too fucking hard. Um, but it's fun. Uh, and then what was the there's one other game I played. Oh, I played a bit of The Messenger. Um and we talk a lot on VoIP life and this podcast sometimes about like giving up games when you're not enjoying them. The Messenger was a really fun Ninja Gaiden uh, NES style Ninja Gaiden not 3D Ninja Gaiden like uh action game. Uh it had a cool mechanic where like if you hit enemies in midair you get your jump back. So a lot of it was about Ooh. like hitting like doing like chaining aerial attacks to go higher in like a metroid spin attack kind of way um and it was very cool and then halfway in uh and th- this isn't all the marketing materials so I, I don't mind spoiling it it turns into a instead of an 8-bit game it turns into a 16-bit game and is now like a metroidvania where you're warping between the prior locations and exploring new areas and that part's not very good so i stopped playing there i played a little bit into that and i just i think it's hard to make a metroid and um they didn't do a great job of it because you're still in the same areas and the the mechanics aren't actually different. It's just now there's a map and you're high, you're looking for secrets. And I didn't want that game on the game where I chained like three, like 10 jumps in a row off three different enemies and got really high in the air. Um, 
alas. Yeah, that seems like an awkward transition. Yes. Um. So that's that's my games. I was gaming. I was busy. Yeah. Um. Couple housekeeping things. One, like I said, that VoIP Life coming out on Friday is going to be free for everyone. So if you don't listen to VoIP Life typically, uh, it is $10 a month. It comes out every two weeks. Patreon.com says no mapping. Um, you can go listen to that for free. Uh, and I hope you enjoy it. Also, we had an episode of our friend Dia's Let's Play of Dragon's Dogma that me and Jackson did, where we basically did an episode of Unroll Mapping over the top of it, where we talked about uh, RPGs and action games and uh, fantasy and video games. Uh, I thought it was really good. I will link it in the description. I, I basically counted as an episode. Dia was like, do you just want to release the audio as an episode? And I was like, no, it, it goes over the video. Go, People should watch the video. So go watch that. Listen to us talk about video games over that. Uh, it's good. I think that's everything. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. all the uh, setting the stage to do. Um, but I guess we can get into a game club.
our game club this month is Lost Odyssey, developed by Mistwalker and Feel Plus, published by Microsoft Game Studios. This came out on the Xbox 360 in Japan in December of 2007 and North America in February of 2008. Uh, this is the second of Mistwalker's games, Mistwalker made by Hironobu Sakaguchi, the creator of Final Fantasy after he left uh, and formed his own company. And Microsoft was like, please, please make us JRPG so we can sell this console in Japan. Um this is the last time they would try this. <laughs> it did, you know what? It did okay. <laughs> These games sold well, considering how few people had Xboxes in Japan. Um, but uh, that's that's kind of what this game is. We'll talk a bit about his development stuff when we get further into it. But Jackson, please tell me the plot of Lost Odyssey. Do I have to? <laughs> <laughs> Molly, tell us the plot of Lost I, Odyssey. <laughs> oh, buddy. No, I, I was no, high no, for I half can, of I'll it. Do, I can't I'll do it. Here. I, was, I was giving out because I, you know... But I won't actually make Molly do it. That would be rude. It would be rude. <laughs> Last Odyssey is a game where you play as Kaim, who is an immortal uh, on this world where the magic industrial revolution has occurred and magic energy is powering, like, in technologies. And it's, you know, like in Final Fantasy VI? It's kind of like that. Like, it's not full-on uh, future steampunk or whatever, but it is, you know, we've put, put some magic technology into the Final Fantasy world uh, that has existed. And he's a model, and he meets some other immortals. Uh, you go with uh, Kaim, Seth, uh, Ming, who's the queen of another country, and then Sarah, who's your wife. Um, and you go on this journey to find out why you've lost memories of this long long life you've lived uh you are sent on a journey by gongora who is uh extremely evil the joker and palpatine at the same time and obviously the villain from the first time he steps in the room he is another immortal and he wants all the power uh for himself you go on this journey you meet a bunch of characters uh which is where all the good stuff in the game is and all the character interactions we'll get into them soon but the plot wise he slowly takes over like he takes over ura he tricks the king uh he goes to war with Goetzer, he he uh like you know drops an asteroid on them um he manipulates the politics so he's in charge of everything and his entire plan is to use grand staff the massive magic engine fueling ura uh to uh, take him to the tower of mirrors that he will destroy tower of mirrors being the connection uh for, of this world to the other world the world where the immortals came from it is revealed that the immortals came from another world uh where time does not pass in the same way and they have been sent here uh to investigate why their world is like unstable and in their investigation they come to this world and find that it is the emotions of people that are making reality unstable and the emotions are like a virus to them because they're like weird star trek non-creatures uh but by being people for a thousand years they have all learned the meaning of love except Gongora, who has also learned the meaning of love but he's decided that the meaning of love is to control everything <laughs> and be a god and so you tell him don't do that beat him up uh, and uh, you win. You go. You know. I uh, I want to say I went to therapy for this. Uh, it's better than getting beat up by a JRPG party. <laughs> <laughs> he literally says, "I know now the true Kingdom Hearts slash being alive for a thousand years is darkness." And you go, "It's light actually." And then you're right. <laughs> it's light actually. <laughs> and then uh, in the, in the ending, uh, like some things conspire in the like mechanics of how you fight him uh to uh have seth like push gongora back into the other world he goes behind the mirrors as you destroy them uh, to save everyone uh so uh seth and gongora are back like basically dead because they're in the other like non-plane and you keep on living in the world which you are now uh i mean your kaim is with sarah living like the trad wife life but your best friends with two of the like 
kings of the world like queen ming still ruling uh nimara uh tolton's uh, in charge of ura and i mean you were best friends with the king of goats but he's dead now so unclear what's going the king on of there. goats was fucking canceled he is so canceled <laughs> and dead and frozen uh but it does this like the moral is to just live a nice like normal life and find happiness while you're like best friends with all the powerful people in the world <laughs> um and that's it it's a that's how you do it fairly simple jrpg but expanded to uh, you know have loads of cutscenes because it's 2008 and not 1991 anymore um but that's the plot of lost odyssey yeah um you and me jackson we played this game back in the day molly you've also played it before right i did play it back in the day I played it when it came out. Same. Uh, yeah, mine was probably like 2009, 2010 would be my guess. But yeah, around then. I played Blue Dragon first, so I went in order. I tried to play Blue Dragon first. I just didn't like it. My um, first JRPG. That's so wild to me. I, I mean, it was not the first one. I, I think I was working out the order and I was looking at the achievements. I started in like uh, the end of 2008. Um, mm. Because uh, I've just had an Xbox till now, and you know, there's no JRPGs on Xbox, um, so I'm trying it, and then I slowly, over the course of a year, work through the first three discs, and then I don't beat the final disc till uh, like December 2011. <laughs> uh, the the but... thing about that is that that's shockingly close to the beginning of a normal mapping. <laughs> That's le- I there are less than two years between me finishing uh Lost Odyssey and us doing a normal mapping. Yeah, I finished yeah. this game less than a year before we started before I met you. Yeah. God. <laughs> Not a fan. Cause I think of Lost Odyssey as like a game I played back in the day when we were talking about it. Um and that was not true for you. <laughs> I mean, it kind of, it was weird. It was because, like, when you're in high school, everything over two years ago is back in the day. Yeah, no, that's fair. But uh, I tell I, you, like, you know, we're hanging out, what, 20, 2012 or whatever, 2013? 2012, we started. And I, yeah, if yeah. I played that for, like, four years before, like, what did you play four years before? Do you even remember? That was, was that Metal Gear year? No, that's way after Metal Gear happened to you. Um, wait, four, four years before at the time or now? Four years I'm, from now, what were you playing? I'm so confused. From what is if, the... Like, when we were first meeting and talking about Lost Odyssey was four years... I played it, like, four years ago, and it was like, oh, yeah, that game I liked. I played it. Whatever. What were you playing four years ago from now? Like, the idea, like, the way in which you perceive time. in 2016. Yeah, so, uh, 2016. uh, 2017. No! (laughs) Oh, God. 2017, I'm... I don't know what I'm playing. This is when I'm like apologizing for not playing enough video games. Because, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I did Metal Gear 2015, and then I just did a normal mapping stuff, I guess. Presumably, I played a Final Fantasy of some kind. Because um, this is the one year I was in the flat the whole time. I was doing my degree. Yeah. Oh, you were uh, busy. I was busy, yeah. Yeah. Molly, uh,. You want to tell us a bit about your experience with this game back in the day and uh, going forward? Now that you've played more, RP- you've played more RPGs, right? I'm not just pulling that out of my ass. No, I've played. I've played lots of stuff. I, I shocked both of you by saying I've played RPGs <laughs> yes. before. <laughs> um, yeah. I I mean, it was when did, this game came out in 08. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I had. I'm sure I've played JRPGs before that I can't think of off the top of my head, but. Yeah, uh, I played this game. Uh, I thought I had gotten further than I did, but no, it turns out I beat two discs and then let it go uh, when I when I first played. 
Um, but it, it, I had always tried to come back to it, and I remember doing that stupid eagle boss fight, like, I don't know, a half dozen times, uh, over the course of a few years, uh, just because I kept restarting the game. Uh, but this is the first time I finished it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, the video game, do you want to do gameplay or story stuff first? Um, let's do gameplay stuff first, because I feel like we'll just go on and complain about the, like, story stuff, um... In a way that is uh, a bit rude, because I mostly really like this game. <laughs> okay, so uh, this game is a turn-based system where you know everyone lines up in front and back rows, and you select actions, and then everyone goes, and then the enemies go. Though the order in which they go, once you hit like everybody go now, is uh, you don't get to see that. That is that is determined by speed stats, or whatever. Um, all your immortals can't die, and they gain skills by learning them off of the mortals who gain them by leveling up. Just like, you know, a normal JRPG. Um, and so you're equipping your mortal characters kind of like you would a Final Fantasy VI uh, Esper to gain new abilities. Um, and it's pretty straightforward that way. Um, you're, you're, anyone who's doing a physical attack, there's rings you can equip that give you like a timing window like Squall in Final Fantasy VIII to hit the button. Uh, the timing window on this is way more obnoxious, but it is way more useful when you hit it. So, you know, that's the trade-off. Um Otherwise, this is just a very traditional game in which you run around towns and go into uh, battle spaces and uh, run into enemies. Uh, it is random encounters. Uh, you know, it's made in Unreal Engine 3, so it looks kind of like butt. But it's an early 360 game, so there's tons of tilt shift and, uh, <laughs> and like intercutting split screens and weird technological stuff. Yes. Uh, I love the split screens. Um, it's it's specifically the like rack focus that it does all the time that I think looks like shit, but I'm I'm very fond of it because it's extremely of this era to me. The death of field is like, I, I that's more of a blue dragon thing because the death of field and blue dragon is there's off the stuff charts. in this game that is just like outrageous, but yes, it is the thing that blue dragon really leaned into. It is like you can only focus on about three pixels, and the rest of the screen is out of focus. They went all out yes. uh, when you could do that. Unlike most video games in the world, I don't know how this happened. This, even though no one cares about this game, this game has an incredibly stacked Wikipedia page that I recommend people read about, like, they developed all three, like, aspects of the, the game, like, walking around and battles and dungeons are in separately and then had to staple them all together. Found out that didn't work. Swore to never do oh. that again. Wait, they did what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they did what? Yes. So, so, uh, Microsoft comes to Mistwalker and is like, please make games for us, right? Like, okay, we're going to use Unreal Engine 3, uh, because it's the middleware that everyone's got. We don't have enough staff for that, so they get Feel Plus. Um, well, Feel Plus basically is created by Microsoft to help them with this. Feel Plus is like, what's left of Nautilus after Shadow Hearts goes, like, you know, off the rails. And then, like, people who worked on Phantom Dust and Legend of Dragoon, so it's just like, RPG stalwarts or whatever, but then they give them this engine that none of them know how to use particularly because they didn't have a dev console when they started this game. Um, there was no 360 to work on, so they're just working on Unreal Engine in like PC or whatever. I do remember like hearing some of this in some kind of oral history with Sakuji being like, This is a disaster. It was a this was one of the worst development cycles of my life. Yes. Um, and so, like, the development seemed like it was a mess. There was, like, 150 people. Like, everyone's running around not knowing what, like, you know, what they were doing. They weren't sure how much was going to be pre-rendered versus, like, in-engine cutscenes. And so they 
actually made like a couple hours more of pre-rendered cutscenes. They ended up cutting for space because this already takes up four DVDs. And uh, they were like, we should have done any of them. We could have done most of this game in model or in engine. And we, we, we sh- you know, stop doing that. We don't need pre-rendered cutscenes anymore. Wait, they um, had like pre-rendered cutscenes for like a bunch of stuff that they just didn't use? Yeah. Oh, damn. Yes. I mean, I, I know that, like, that is like the DVD thing. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see that. Yes. But- um, yeah, apparently they just were like, uh, yeah, we had like an hour or two more off of that. Um, but we found that we could just use the in engine ones with like the, the like mocap stuff that they were using. Uh, the engine cutscenes look fine. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah. And also the, the pre-render stuff looks kind of bad. Well, yeah. Uh, cause, cause it's on, it's cause we're playing this on nicer TVs now. Uh, and they're running off a DVD that every time it cuts to a pre-render cutscene, it's like really soft and like shitty looking. It's not even yes. that. It's like, it's got like a weird filter over it in a way yes. that it just doesn't do it. Like the square pre-rendered cutscenes do. No. Um, but yeah, uh, development stuff aside, this is a very traditional, you know, game in which you have parties and select actions. And that part is pretty good, I think. Um, Jackson, I power leveled. Molly, did you power level or did you play normally through most of the game? I played normally until I got to disc four okay, that, and then I accidentally power leveled. That's um, kind of where I was. I, I after, after Grand Staff, I power leveled. I beat Gongora like in like seven hits. <laughs> it was genuinely incredible. Yes. Um, so yeah, um, it's weird because like this game has a reputation for being very hard at the beginning, and if you don't do the thing I did, which is like find the place where you can cheat and fight a bunch of silver Kecleons and get really high level early on, um, the game is just hard. It's a hard video game that's about like combat puzzles. I feel like you both could speak to that more than I can. Uh, yeah, I think it's got an incredible battle system. I like it a lot. I I really love the rings. Uh, a lot, and I appreciate that they let you swap them in battle. Yes. Uh, just to make your melee characters be relevant the whole time, rather than just your mages blasting while the other guys up front are just like, yeah, I guess I'm gonna hit them. Though I do wish um, that, like, the way you switched rings became less cumbersome when you got 12 million of them. I'm like, just, just yes. put the fucking fire <laughs> one on, I can tell what weakness he is, you know. Uh... So like it becomes a bit fiddly with the menus, but I think that like especially until the, like you get the white boa, uh, when the game's like mostly linear for its uh, progression, uh, it's really good. It's really well balanced. The game is very tight. Uh, every boss fight you feel like prepared for, but uh, not over leveled. Uh, all the combat puzzles are fun. Um, I think it's like a truly fantastic uh, traditional RPG on like the 360. Um, I was surprised by how much the battle system didn't end up bothering me. I thought it was gonna be slow and annoying. No, it was really good. Um, I the the one thing I ran into is that I was surprised at guides telling me to use like the combo hit and three combo when that doesn't use the rings, so it doesn't do any of the extra damage. And I was like, well, I have these fused three level three rings. I'm not gonna not use them. Uh, for the I think it was more damage for the end but... of the game. I fused three greed rings, I think they were, which gave me uh, level three damage up, uh, level three crit up, and level three HP absorb. <laughs> so these were that's right. So I just put those on my three uh, melee guys, which are of course um, Kaim, Seth, and Sed in the back row, uh, and bam, go to town. Major cast uh, Powerus, and then everything dies. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's uh, it's good. I I I very much enjoyed being over leveled. Did you did you find the accessory that gives you plus ten skill slots? You know it. I beat That's I beat right. the holy beast. That's right, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only like side area I didn't do was the Temple of Enlightenment because that's more of a post-game area. Uh, it's way harder than any of the dungeons also, in the game. Also, it sucks ass. Also, it's really annoying, not just in combat, but in dungeon puzzles, and I can't think about how to rotate the cubes. <laughs> <laughs> I do not rotate it in my mind. It's just not how it works. People talk about rotating cubes in their mind, but they have not played Lost Odyssey Temple of Enlightenment Disc 4, <laughs> in which your ability to rotate a series of cubes in your mind will be tested. <laughs> <laughs> we tested highly. I'm like, I don't, I don't use Mac. Why do I need Mac's secret super spirit magic? Yeah, yeah, Mac. I love you, buddy, but who else, buddy? Get member? you out of combat real fast. <laughs> See, because yeah. because I was uh, farming silver Kecleons early on, Mac. It was my MVP for the first part of the oh, game. Oh yeah, MVP for that. <laughs> yes. Because that, Mac is, that the, is, Mac is the gamble. Boy. Yeah, that's just about you know using his. Yeah, is is it gamble? That's what it's called, right? Like I played this game. I played that part months yes, ago. It's it's called gamble. Yeah, it just does random so damage, and they're basically metal slimes from Dragon Quest, where they they don't typically take a lot of damage, but they are weak to this one does random damage magic. So if you can kill them with that, you get tons of AP and experience. So uh, I finished disc one with everyone at like level four, like between level forty and level forty five, uh, and basically spent the rest of the game waiting for the game to catch up because because the leveling system is scaled uh i i didn't level up for like a whole disc <laughs> no one leveled up i did yeah i didn't i think i was about level 43 when i finished grand staff one mm -hmm. um which is and after that was when i did some side quest stuff uh, so yeah, I, you you just don't level up that much the game the levels are fairly consistent because the the leveling uh system is so tight like it's it's like suikoden right you don't have xp you have a percentage bar and the percentage bar is very highly regulated by area mm -hmm. uh, so you are always at the level the game wants you to be until it suddenly opens up and has to put a bunch of rpg stuff in and then suddenly if you do anything every boss is so easy <laughs> like the super bosses that i did were the easiest bosses in the game because i yes. had was doing them as I was leveling stuff up, and I think that that's like where the balance of the game kind of falls apart. Uh, can you speak that a little more? Because like I don't, I don't, and I because I was just over leveled. Like I feel like the game was mostly like I was playing it like it was Final Fantasy VII, or you just kind of hit the button and enemies die <laughs> for most of the game. Um, and then by the end, I had all the abilities I wanted, uh, and so I just came in and like. If you cast Powerus on everybody and you hit them with your good rings, they die real fast. Doesn't matter who it is. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I was just mowing people down. I guess I'll speak to more. I was worried about dominating the conversation, but I guess I am the, the combat systems nerd. Yes. <laughs> so I'll handle all this stuff. Um, the the thing that makes the like combat really good is the interplay between like the ring system, the magic system, and the guard condition system. Uh, it means that like every enemy can like basically kill you within one or two attacks, but you can also kill them within one or two attacks if you're smart about it. Uh, the ways in which buffs interplay with this is really good. Like, buffs are really important. Um, there are... I, I don't normally spend too much time buffing aside from, like, haste in a lot of Final Fantasies, but this was, like, 13 levels of... Right, let's get everyone buffed up before I do a single attack. Um, and, like, so, uh, one of my favorite fights in the game was... Um, 
the uh, the fight with the six guys, the six sorcerers, the six dark acolytes or whatever they are Gongora's undead servants. Yeah. Yes. Because he murks them all. Well, there's seven of them, and one of them's like, please don't kill me, Mr. Gongora. And he's like, well, I'm I'm extra killing you. You're not even coming back. (laughs) (laughs) It's very funny. And I walked into that room, I hadn't, like, there was no save point, so I I had the wrong party member in, I had Tolton in instead of Sad. I didn't have, everyone wasn't healed up. Uh, I didn't have the right, like, weaknesses on everyone's, like, skill skill assignments. Uh, So it was just a bit of a mess. Um, mm-hmm. and like because the battle system is so intense and because it rewards like planning so much I think the moments where you are forced to improvise out of the blue are really strong because uh, in that I was like okay what do I have I've got this oh what what uh, okay Seth does damage on this if I do this and this and then was like healing at the right time uh, in order to just last long enough for like the three turn window to get the immortals back um and somehow skated through that fight. Uh, I think that it's very easy when you play the game like we do uh, to make the game more boring than it is. Because this is a tension that all RPGs have, but it's really prevalent here, is that uh, Lost Odyssey is a game uh, that's really like rigid. And so if you know what you're doing and you know, okay, if I need this ability, you just have like the solution to everything instantly on hand. Um, and I think that in the linear sections, they can like balance for this and they know what you have and they know what the enemies have and you can like make the battles challenging. Once you can like spend any time getting SP, the game has, the game doesn't exist. You have the abilities because it's like basically the, it's so puzzle focused, uh, that it needs the like hard, like train tracks of uh, a linear leveling curve to, to, uh, maintain that intensity. And this is why Final Fantasy 13 figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Maybe one day. I mean, like the thirteen game that sucks for many reasons of its linearity, right? Like I, I yeah, like no, the no. game. But uh the Pope ship is a hell. It's a hell. I, I think specifically there's a bit at the end of disc three where you have to fight a battle where it's like all mages and Mac and you're fighting an enemy that has reflect on, so you can't hit it with magic. Um and it sucks. And it's fine as long as you level Mac, but uh, you know, both of you are like Mac worst character. Um, my, I had a great time. Mac just punched that guy to death. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, because Mac is like a good, is actually surprisingly good at like just punching guys. Um, but a game like 13 or like seven remake gets around this by it will always give you the characters you need and give you the space to level them up to make sure that you don't go into a battle like this with Mac under leveled, uh, because everything is incredibly dictated by the plot until the very end of the game. Um, which, you know, is, is like people chafe against the linearity of that stuff, but it lets you have cool battles like this. You're like this character who I didn't understand, didn't know why they were good. Suddenly I realize that they, they can be great in the right, if I'm using them in the right situation. Um, and I wish this game did enough, uh, did a lot of that because also, because of the way the immortals work, all four of the immortals are just the best characters. And like two of them are mages and two of them are attackers, but like they learn all the abilities and they're good at the, their roles and they're not that different. Like Seth's faster than kind, but they both hit real fucking hard by the end of the game. Like there's nothing to differentiate yes. them. Um, I'm here to make a bold suggestion that you will immediately say, shut the fuck up, Jackson. Why do you always say this? Uh, but. The thing that this game needs to like fix this bath problem is it needs some kind of time pressure. <laughs> God damn it, Jackson! <laughs> no, no, but like, what I by, by which I mean the th- if you are not grinding, right? 
the limitation on how you uh, select your skills is which skills you prioritize learning from which immortals. Uh, I mean, and- I think the, I think the obvious solution is that you should never have more than five skill slots. Oh, that's scary. the problem. Is at the end of the game you have like fifteen of them, and you just load them. You load people up with everything. I mean, then the skills would have to be like radically reduced in scope. Yes, they'd have to be way more useful, yeah. and they'd have to like yes, they'd have to change what that is. One of them wouldn't. It would, they would have to be counter and not uh, counter, and then another skill that says counter but more, <laughs> and then well, sometimes you do more damage when you actually do counter. Well, the thing I think I would do is allow the skills to like level up individually like if you use them like if you you if you learn black magic and then you slap black magic on an immortal that black magic shouldn't be like black magic one through eight there's separate skills that you learn off the person it should be black magic itself levels up as you have black magic equipped i think it's a better idea than what they did uh which is that black magic one through eight and i'm like i really got to learn each one of these huh i mean what i did is i didn't put them on anyone like i didn't bother adding black magic to sarah until the very end of the game where i just taught her eight uh black magic eight and had a great time oh yeah well, i mean i just had them wear the earrings or whatever yeah. it still was just like man at the end of the game literally every immortal had black magic uh black white magic eight spirit magic eight uh um yeah. what's it for composite magic four uh, so just ignore just, elemental uh, damage and uh, you're immune to every status effect because I've got those. Yeah. <laughs> you just walk <laughs> into that cave and you're like, damn, immune to every status effect. Got it. Nailed. <laughs> <laughs> it gets it gets very broken very fast once you find the the post the disc four items. Yes. I just just like I guess we're done playing this game now. We're just gonna win. I think the big solution is just to make the immortals more like the mortals and that they have specialties, right? And their specialties are like multi class compared to the humans, uh, but they should still be like limited and they're just not. Like what's the difference yeah, between Ming like, and why Sarah? Would I There's use nothing. Jansen? Why why use Jansen when Ming does everything better yes. and it can have more types of magic. Yeah. Um it, it's because Jansen teaches you three accessories. <laughs> or two accessories to start. Yeah. You do get to disc four and you're like, oh, I've got to fucking level everyone up so I can get, you know, um, double cast. Uh, so I can get, uh, you know. Um, I'm going to tell you, I didn't learn double cast, didn't need it. I was fine. I was, double cast seemed excessive to me. <laughs> I was double casting elemental weaknesses on Gongora. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rip to Gongora, bro. Because I walked in, I was level 60. Um... It was like taken off guard by how the Tower of Mirrors does not have a dungeon. <laughs> yeah. No, you just kind of walk in there. And then it was it's, like, it's like this great shot of the whole squad walking up it, to Gangora's like evil platform. <laughs> oh, good. I asked you to take a screenshot of this. <laughs> we are going to beat you to death. And they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Gangora's is there like casting a spell. Oh, shit. Here's nine guys to beat the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is just like guess I'll cast the spell. <laughs> he does cast the spell. I think this is like the central <laughs> tension of a lot of JRPGs, though. Um, not even J- like RPGs in general, I guess. Of like the thing that makes them appealing is that these they have open systems, right? That you can uh, engage with at your own pace. You are not being forced to do anything. Uh, you can explore the systems as you like. Uh, it is its own difficulty curve in a way. Um, like that's that is why RPGs are about grinding, right? If you go and grind, you can beat more guys. You are not uh, in Dragon Quest. You are not at a disadvantage for any reason. Like you, there's not going to be like a wall boss in the way that there can be in other genres because of how XP works. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, Final Fantasy and this game, and like even more now as you get to Thirteen Seven Remake uh, with this style of design, goes more into like puzzles that are about how you use your abilities in the systems, and so require more limits on them. Uh, but they also at the same time are like more open they do both at once right they do the puzzle thing but they're also like open systems that you can customize everyone in any way that you need and fill any role because you need the freedom of player agency or whatever uh and i think that that tension's in a lot of especially final fantasy games i can't speak to like the more traditionalist dragon quest side of things i haven't played like a modern dragon quest uh but i I think that tends to just you know a present in so many of the games we've played and it's like very present here yeah i mean this is saguchi making fake Final Fantasy, right? Like, this feels so built out of the expectations of the PS1 games and Final Fantasy X. Like, we're gonna make another one of those. That that's what we got. (laughs) And then like X as well is a game that's like very very like is able to be balanced how it is because it is very linear. Uh, Yes. And then suddenly at the end of the game everything goes out of whack because you're like, oh shit, now I can do everything. um so i i understand it it's not like a big problem but i, d- I don't know how to solve this for rpgs of, like without alienating a whole bunch of the audience mm-hmm. uh but we are also like i don't know well me and emma i don't know i can i don't know if you are molly you can tell me this we are also like if we are given the ability to min max something we probably will <laughs> that's right so it's i'm here to run dudes over i'm not here to fuck around <laughs> I, i'm i'm like I'm not going to, like, make things extra easy for myself. I've been trying. I was trying not to grind, but at the same time, in the time that I did have while I was, like, going through the dungeon, I was pretty on the ball about game. Always rotating my abilities. Always uh, getting my guys equipped how I needed to be. Always making sure I find the right items. Uh, yes. So I was mostly stacked. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was doing that, and then, I mean, like, I, I did, like I said, I accidentally power leveled. I wanted to see what the, t- the Temple of Enlightenment was, and then got all the way to the top without realizing I needed to turn off some lasers. Uh, and by the time I was done with that, I was, like, level 69, and I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm gonna leave here and just go stop the rest of the game, because I've learned everything. Oh, you did the yes. Temple of Enlightenment before you did, like, the cave and shit. No, I did it before I went to the Grand Staff, but on the way up to the second cube part, you have to, like, turn off these two... You have to go outside and... Yes, so I missed that part. I didn't realize I had to do that, so I got to the top, and the game was like, well, don't know what you're supposed to do here, and I was like, well, what the fuck? (laughs) And then I found out I had to turn off the things, and I was like, I'm going home, fuck this, I'm out of here. Yeah, God. Uh, Yeah, and then I'm taking set, and we're leaving. (laughs) I um I finished the game at like everyone's between level like fifty five and fifty nine and just destroyed the like final boss. So I can't imagine being ten levels higher than that. I my HP was capped out. It was bonkers. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, the other the other thing about the gameplay part is that this game loves it a fucking puzzle dungeon. Sure does. But, like, not in a way that, like, they're they're super hard, just that they're really laborious. They're just slow. I think the dungeons are Yes, I are will fine. walk over. I, I feel... I'll walk... Go ahead. No, no, I, I was just complaining. I was... Well, I was re- rebutting out. I, I don't want to step on Molly. <laughs> you go to experimental... I was gonna... Uh, you go to experimental staff at the end of this, two, and there's, like, there's, like, some cool, like, platform switch-throwing puzzles, and I think those are fine. But then you do all that, and then they ask you to do this terrible, like, box-pushing elevator puzzle that, just because the animation is so slow, takes 20 minutes! 
Yeah. The part where these games didn't change mechanically how you engage them, but added a bunch of animations over the top of everything. And we'll talk about that when we get to the story, because I think it actively hurts the story the most. Um, just sucks. It's the problem with this generation of JRPGs is that they just... Everything takes too long. I think this is not untrue, but at least a little unfair. Like, I'm... I'm... I'm not just fully disagreeing, but I'm not as intense in this criticism. Uh, I think that the choice to have the encounter rate be, like, ludicrously slow really helps it at this point. Uh, mm. You can kind of settle into the rhythm of doing the puzzle dungeon. And the puzzle dungeon is never, like, that complicated. You just kind of go to the end of one thing. and then... But yes, the bit where you, like, push all the boxes to the left to go to the thing, and then you have to go all the way back around to climb the ladder, then go all the way back around again to get the thing is, is really annoying. But that's it's as annoying terrible. as it gets. Yeah, I mean, maybe I was just very unlucky in the Sorceress's Mansion because I was finding dudes left. And yeah, right, I think the Sorceress's uh, Mansion actually. I was trying has, to go between corridors. It has a really high encounter rate compared to a lot of places in that game. Obnoxious to me. Also, that's the place where like half the enemies are immune to magic and half the enemies are immune to like yes. physical attacks, so everything's obnoxious. Fucking annoying. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I like that stuff. I thought I thought the like when they start playing around with immunities. Because that, that's when it becomes like... This awesome. is also the dungeon you came back to after taking three weeks off, and we just plowed through the game, so I think that might have something to do with it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it is not just a dungeon I came back to after taking three weeks off, it is a dungeon I stopped playing one night and then didn't come back for three weeks. So maybe yeah. I'm... <laughs> Maybe, maybe you me, hated it more than you thought. Maybe past me is, is telling me something here through my actions. <laughs> I mean, this is the dungeon I literally stopped for a week and then came back to because I was like, this sucks. Fuck this. And so. it has one like really weird jump scare out of nowhere. Only one in the entire game. Wait, what's the jump scare? I don't remember there being a... Oh, right. When you're walking away from the mirror and then there's like a little guy going... Ha ha. <laughs> and then, I like when you come back here and Sarah's like, hey, I forgot my book in there. Can I go get my book? And then you meet Persona. 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 And she's like, the monsters are gone. It must be because my negative energies are cleansed. And I'm like, oh my god, you Instagram <laughs> wife, shut up. My vibes. And clear. then as you're leaving, you're like, wait, one more thing. There's a pirate in here. <laughs> 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 Seth is like, what are you doing here? He's like, I got lost. <laughs> Fuck. The pirate finding side quest is really dumb. And I don't know how you're meant to do it without a guide. Because like, literally one of the guys is like hidden underwater in like a... a treasure spot that you just like wouldn't yes. find otherwise um but it's i think it's like the, the funniest bit of the game where you're just finding these four there's six random pirates around the world in like the goofiest po places possible i love it it's great yeah uh, which i guess brings us into like story design stuff um which we haven't talked about Thousand Year Dreams much, which is like the big thing of this uh, game, which is kind because he lived for a thousand years but lost his memory, has a bunch of short stories he remembers um, that are all... Uh, where is the writer? Uh, uh, Kiyoshi Shigematsu wrote, uh, who's a novelist, wrote all these short stories about things that Kaim went through and they come as like visual novel segments with like a bunch of animated text and sad there's two types there's the sad music type and there's a sick war type and that's what you get <laughs> yep that's it uh i remember when i first played this i was like wow video games because of the thousand years of dreams when i should have been like wow books <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow what if a book had like the animations that i age 13 put on every powerpoint presentation <laughs> 
<laughs> what if the letters dropped into place? And then I went like, no, I'm skipping all these animations anyway. <laughs> what if books? What if books? Uh, so let's talk about Thousand Years of Dreams. Let's talk about how funny it would be if I, me, just the person I am now, wrote a video game. I wrote the whole thing. And I was like, damn, this is my video game. It's my heart and soul. And then I went to, uh, I, I don't know, someone pick a really good author. <laughs> I was like, you, write all the other short stories to show me up every five minutes. <laughs> you, go, you go to Michael Chabon and be you like, look, Mike- buddy. Sergeant Picard I need you to kick suck, my ass. But you can do this. <laughs> What if what if all of the themes that I make a 50-hour game about, you just do in, like, 150 words over and over again? Over and over again, but also yes. it's way better and has, like, a sense of humanity that the game never does. Um, yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, it helps it a lot because it gives it that sense of humanity, but, like, the parts where you're just playing the game and getting the story that way, I'm like, why are we at war? By the okay, they built a big boat. We have to fight them. So let's let's talk about this like the weird stuff here because like I think in disc one, apart from every Gongora scene, the story is mostly just great. Is um, really good, yeah. Um, Pretty straightforward. Unfortunately, yeah. every Gongora scene is like the fucking Chekhov's gun of the whole game will be this one day. <laughs> just you wait to see. Um, but when it's just like Kaim and everyone going on their adventure, they don't know anything. Uh, the the dreams are then integrated really well into the story because you're like, oh, I don't remember anything. I am then getting a memories. But eventually he like gets his memories, but you haven't collected all the dreams. So he knows what you're getting yes. the short stories. So it no longer feels like an exploratory thing. But also, like, the stories are you go to uh, Numara and you meet Kukamak and their mum dies and it's, you know, moving and uh, uh, Kukamak are fantastic. They're, 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 you know, just Panam and Porum again. (laughs) And um, so it's just good character stuff and you go to little towns and there's that one town that's, like, haunted uh, from the experimental staff stuff. And uh, so because the, like, main stories are just, like, these generic constructs that you go through the uh dreams feel very simpatico with them they like uh, enhance them as the story becomes about uh gongora's epic plan <laughs> to control the world and the world beyond the mirrors or whatever the uh stories no longer feel like coherent with the game that's happening uh and more than that as the politics of the world become about these three nations the fact that every story is like and then kaim was at war with a country is like what are you uh, what country i numara has been here the whole time is it this that country is it numara has been there the whole time but i think every other country has risen and fallen in that time uh, a lot uh but ura has like a ura has a k- kingdom that has like let you know become a republic by the start of the game and you meet the first like knight of ura when you're tolton so like how how old is how old is ura they- they were all from that village with the poison ice, so they were all actually dropping dead really fast. Or it was a right he because he because Tolton is King Forty Five, um, <laughs> and the Gong is King Forty Five. No, yeah, Tolton's King Forty Five. Yes, so so Forty Three Kings. I guess uh, how long is a king a king? Like his whole life, right? Yes, generally, but you know. So anywhere between one and eighty years. <laughs> well, let's let's go average of thirty because you know if you have a really long king, the next king might not be that long because he's already old. Yes, yes. So let's go thirty times forty-five. 
what you have described is already longer than the scope of this video game. So Ura's definitely been here the whole time. And yes. so is Nimara, yes. <laughs> which means Gertzer must have as well. And those are the only countries that matter. Uh, so, like, Kaim's living in an abstract world that is not represented by the game at all. Perhaps he's just not thinking. He's simply not thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> he's just not paying attention. Uh, he's busy thinking about his wife. He's had loads of wives. His wife, yeah. His wife and his dead and his all his dead friends. So the, the implication that he had a bunch of wives and then settled down with the like the researcher that he came to this the world other with way, girl? yes way later like after 900 years is very so funny. funny. They definitely It's also funny yeah, they, go ahead, they just definitely had him write the story without like tell, like just write some short stories about an immortal guy. We'll deal with the rest later. Yes, yes. And then, well, the the other thing is like not only did he just settle down with Sarah, they just had a kid, and there's only been like one generation further than that. Yes. Is really funny. Yep. I mean, like Seth's out here, like fucking having kids, right? Like she's got. There's like another. There's a precursor to said that was like around 300 years ago and is dead already. Like right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, that's true. Yeah. Shout out to Seth. Shout out to Seth. Seth. Seth's so fucking cool. We should talk about the characters. This is the part that we came here for. Uh, We didn't even actually talk about the Thousand and Gene, which is I think that they're mostly really good, except when they're about war, when they're dumb. The war. Yeah, when they're about war, they're very dumb. There's a couple, uh, like the time goes, the time Kaim goes to the Poison Ice Village and then just decides, you know, they're happy. I won't tell them that they're dying because they're drinking this water that's made of deathly poison. Uh... Even though, like, the guy I was working with just dropped dead in front of me. I'm just gonna let this go. I'd let it go. It's not really my problem. I'd let it go. I'd let... I, I don't know, man. What are you gonna say? <laughs> think you gotta tell the people? I know, I like that one, because he's like, their whole culture's built around this. What the fuck am I gonna say if I come and go, you're actually dying of poison? You're gonna break all of their minds. This is the Star Trek I thing. I know, but I get it. I get it, but they probably shouldn't live there. You know, I agree, but this, this as a short story, I think it's, like, handled mostly well. Yes, it's handled well, but uh, I was telling Pris about it, and she was like, what the fuck? Um, so, yeah. Uh, the sh- the one about the shoes. Fucking incredible. Oh, the the, sh- the shoe one I mostly like. The shoemaker. I think that one's amazing. I love that one. Except for the part where the, he can't, like, where he doesn't have, like, he's, a- he's a- been amputated, so he's disabled. I think that part of it yes. is a bit like, you just, you just, not just have him be weak and not able to go places. Or, I don't know. It's like, he can't go there. He's... Like, he- some other metaphor other than he, he doesn't have any legs, you know? Because uh, Yeah, uh, it is tacked on there, but when he brings the shoes back, that's the good when shit. When he brings the shoes back, yeah, that's the real good shit. I love that one. Um, uh, the one where, you know, they walk against the wind. Walking against the wind is probably my favorite. Yes, it's so good. It's either that or the one where the island's haunted by the songs of everyone that was killed by the kingdom. Or yeah! That's, that's one of my favorites as well. Um, There's also the general who grows all the plants out of his hands. That was great. He's a fucking monster. Yes. That one's great. Love that. Great stories. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, I I I really like the one um, with the uh, old woman who's like remembering her childhood days when Kaim comes back. Yes. Um, a lot of just ones where people are sad and old because you know it's a story about being immortal. So of course there are. Um, there is the one where, uh, with the child prison, where Kaim helps them get out to help the people, and then he says, all right, well, you better be back here in the morning for more jail time, kids. Uh, and then they one. do come back. 
Yeah, no, he tell they help some people like who are like going to drown in a river. All those kids help them out, and then they go back to the prison and sit there, uh, even though the town was on fire and there was like a rebellion going on. Uh, it, it's like it's the kids are like treated as like well they they fucked up early so they're useless now. Uh, but then later on after that everybody starts seeing that that was wrong. They should have accepted these children. Uh, who have been hiding in the most inhumane prison for years, and then the, at the end, one of them is a politician, and he's gonna fix it from the inside. <laughs> Incredible. Yes. Um, I, I like the one where the um, uh, there's that married couple, and they're writing letters to Kaim. Um. Oh, that one's fucked up. That one's fucked up. So here's the th- one of the things I was thinking as I was going through this. I was like, why do I mostly like all these, but uh, I hate every near Automata side quest? Because um, this also does the thing where, like, you see this guy and he's very obviously about to die, and then he dies. <laughs> uh, my my thing my thing with that is I think the difference is yes. the Yoko Taro is like doing a gotcha. He's like, oh, haven't I pulled at your heartstrings? And these are about you know it's going to end bad from the minute you load this thing up, and it's just about yes. Kaim also knowing that and like this is what life is. Like, there's no we're all gonna die and it's all gonna suck. There's nothing good here. <laughs> the, the reason I really like that one is because um, the. Uh, like the the punchline in the near version of this, and sorry to be like to single that out because there are other like you know just a, the easy go to pull for like tragedy person in video games. Um, this is a more general critique about this is a guy who writes like good books over video game writers. Uh, is like uh, sh- she realized sh- the, the 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 wife has killed herself. She's killed herself, and. Um, there was nothing anyone could do and he's weak and kind punches him as like you failed everything uh and like it keeps going and is ultimately about how like kaim's stoicness is the like actual embarrassing thing with all these like weak people trying to like make their own way in this like awful situation um and i really like that conclusion i like that like push it through a lot of the short stories i think they're uh just just mostly really good and really well written even the ones that are about like war in a way that i find very boring because the war stuff is always um just oh war is bad but peace is good but war is inevitable and i'm doing a war now (laughs) so their like emotional scope is way more limited than stories about people in relatable situations um because the war stuff is so much more generalized uh, which isn't to say it can't handle those themes well, because like you know the one about the like uh, genocide of that island where the like the uh, the the singing lives on in the wind uh, is fantastic, but it's not like a sad mercenary committing his duty story, right? Anyway, that's my thousand years of dreams thoughts. I think they are they mostly live up to like they are the special thing this game has, and they are incredible when they hit. Yeah. Yes. That's fair. Um, okay. Characters. We can talk about characters now. Let's we did it. go. So, uh, you know, we've alluded to not particularly liking the plot stuff, but this game's got a sick party, and that's what matters most in a game. If the party's sick, you're going to love them, and you're going to like hanging out with them. And we got them. We got them. We got some lads. We got them. Uh, we do have some lads. So, you know, there's Kaim, and Kaim's, Kaim's fine. You know, we get a lot of Kaim, and he's taciturn yeah. and whatever, and, uh, you know, I don't hate him. Um, and we get his trad wife, Sarah, who doesn't have a character, as far as I can tell. No, she's not. <laughs> but I'm then we get in my Jansen. Journal. Jansen! Hey! Jansen! 
it's the boy the staple of our of of anime of fiction really like this is a han solo problem is the like womanizing guy who sucks is always like uh someone who's like held up as like a cool guy that people want to be and they they circumvent that in this by making jansen just a guy who sucks textually he just sucks and he's like a weasel coward and he sucks but uh that's his journey is that he has to deal with being a guy who sucks <laughs> i i, I want <laughs> like, to deal with that and then fall in love <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that characterization because that also describes Yosuke, who is an intolerable character. Just awful. Uh, I think Persona thinks Yosuke is cool in a way that this game does not think Jansen is cool. I mean, he's introduced rolling around in a bin. Yeah, but then he's like, ah, partner, we're bros, bro. That's true. You are like bros with Yosuke in a way that you're never bros with Jensen. You are never bros with Jensen. <laughs> no. So Jensen is just like one of those guys. He's just a dork and everyone owns him and he rules. I love him so much. Every time he's just talking and mumbling in the middle of a cutscene while bad things happen. <laughs> yes. Beautiful. Love it. I'm like surprised how good that stuff is because like the normal guy who's making the banter is an archetype that also sucks in a different way than the other. Like it's two things that are bad usually. Uh, luckily, this is like localized well before uh, Marvel voice poisoned literally everything. Oh, if he was making fucking like, you know, yeah. if this was Troy Baker quips, this game yes. would fall apart. The whole game breaks instantly. <laughs> There's a bit at the end where he's like, I am the god of death! What are you talking about, dude? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> um, that could easily, it could so easily fall over, but it, it somehow holds together. I love him. Yep. Um, and he he is in love with Ming, who is the queen of Numara, uh, who's ruled for a thousand years and is definitely like totally benevolent and cool, even though she crushes all insurrections uh, in her with the one thousand year of dreams you get of her of where she has a good sense of people who will betray her from like decades before they will and is just setting them up to fail over and over again in her like saw plans. <laughs> Girl boss. <laughs> I love this story about Ming because it is utterly incompatible with the character that we see the rest of the video game. It's so funny. <laughs> you you finish the thing. So the, the story comes in as you come back to Numara and, um, you know, Evil Heihachi has taken over the military and he's like, ha 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 ha, don't you see? We must have strength. And she's like, no, we must have peace. And then you just demonstrate this by killing him. Love uh, is the greatest strength. I'm going to cast Thundago on your yeah. tank. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I hope you put the magic shield on, boy. She's like, no, we can't. We we must. Uh, we we must show love is the way to rule the world, not through fear. We can't beat Gogora's fear through our fear or whatever is the thing they're trying to do. Hard cut to the dream. <laughs> In which uh, uh, she has uh, set up this man who's trying to do this coup uh, against her. He was like a, lo a loyal uh, servant years ago. Uh, and she knew from the start that he was going to betray him because she got the sense. She's, she's lived for a thousand years. She knows when she sees the dark hunger in people that will inspire disloyalty. Not that they are disloyal from the off. It is that she sees the like ambition and will crush ambition in anyone she sees. And not only that, when she will crush them in such a like noble way that the only way they can end it is by killing themselves, thus perpetuating the cycle. Like she doesn't like kill this guy in front of everyone. She like he kills himself and in so doing uphold the nobility of her own royal structure. She's so evil in this story. However, <laughs> it's however, so funny. both the short story and going to Numara 
uh, prove her right and that it's the one country that doesn't abjectly suck. Yeah. Yeah. And if it was about that, the game would be, like, better, right? If it was about, like, no, I'm doing this for real reasons, but the game hasn't heard of materialism, so there's no, like... No. But it is, it is really funny where it's like, oh, she, you know, this is what it means to rule and it. Isn't it such a, like a nebulous space where people have to make evil choices? And I'm like, look around. This place is like, we're living on fucking Naboo here. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> they are living on fucking Naboo here. <laughs> They're chilling. They're chilling. Like the other, the only other option is uh, Uro with its fucking like Boncho King who sucks, and that place has like a lower class. Like you come up and you're like, here's the apartment buildings, or they're like like the closest thing this game gets, like Final Fantasy VII slums or whatever. But it's like definitely evoking those spaces. And he might be like, once was a great guy, but his kingdom sucks. And you got to go to and the whole thing is like through magic energy, I have had to organize a caste system of low town. Yeah, that's high just town. that's just Final Fantasy VI. Like we know that's evil. Like that's like the most evil yeah. stock anime evil shit in the world. Uh, <laughs> even though that guy is like not evil as the game presents him, right? He is still yes. like meant to be reasonable and like a tragic ruler burdened with the weakness of humanity. He's just trying to get democracy off the ground. No one will let him. <laughs> the, the politics stuff in this game is unhinged it doesn't make any sense <laughs> doesn't make any fucking sense uh i i told you this on twitter jackson but i was high when i first got to the king of goza and he starts talking about all this bullshit about he and kaim and sarah knew each other beforehand and i was like what the fuck is happening right now it's even better than that because I, I could not track the it. party's all together right <laughs> and you walk into goza yeah. and you're like okay whole squad Squad loaded. Uh, we're going through this game. Everything rules. Uh, we're gonna gonna destroy everyone on our puff. And then you walk like three steps, and Kaim sees a guy and is like, "I'm leaving now. Goodbye." <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Even though it is the quest for everyone to go talk to the king of Gotha, Kaim is like, "Oh, I gotta go talk to the king of Gotha. No, you can't come with me. <laughs> it's fine. Just let the kids run on the train tracks. It's fine." Um, <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> <laughs> and then you go there and do with that. And then this is where the game starts, like, falling apart with all the politics stuff. Uh, which, like, we complain about it here, but uh, if you would like to turn your attention to our episode on Suikoden, our episode on Final Fantasy XII, our episode on blah 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 blah, JRPGs are bad at this. <laughs> it is not a yes. unique problem uh, to... Not even JRPGs, like, you know, we, half of the anime we cover, like, oh, they, they inter- you know, we've got this interesting situation of politics and there's loads of uh, interconnected things where you go to negotiate with this one and then we've got to find the Dynast King. It's honestly shocking there's not a Dynast King in this game. I guess you could Tolton's that, but they don't say Dynast King at any point. Um, and uh, then it always, always, every time by the end, like by two thirds of the way through, is like, the bad has happened and we must beat them with love. <laughs> it's like, why'd you put the politics in in the first place then, my dude? Yeah. Um, we were talking about characters. <laughs> uh, which is a good thing. That part's good. So, we have Seth, who is a pirate, and she rules. And she's just like... She fucking rules. Just a good... The thing is, Seth doesn't get a lot to do. She just kind of sits around and is incredulous about all these stupid men in her life. Uh, but it's it's good. I like her. She has a lot of energy. Um, she's tough. Uh, her backstory is stupid, but I don't care. <laughs> yes. Nope. Uh, because doesn't matter. Because, cool pirate. Because they gave her uh, the uh, a thing that gave her like a really buoys her, buoys her in the back half where she has a son named Sed, and Sed is like 
king shit of the pirates uh and you're like oh we're gonna find her child and you meet him and he is like an 80 year old man <laughs> it rules. i wasn't expecting who it just loves his mom he he sees her he yells mama and everything is good in the world <laughs> it's it's so good because sure. like the whole scene leading leading up to him is uh He's like one of the pirates that have been captured and he's actually burned alive by Gongora on this like display of power. And he's the like super stoic one in the middle. Uh, as he sits there and he's unfazed. He's going to uh, face his death willingly. And the second he sees Seth, he's like, oh, mama! <laughs> <laughs> it's just good, like goofy, heartfelt shit that I really it's like. It's great. Tolton is there. He's like, what the fuck is happening? Uh, the he sucks. Tolton, yeah, for a miserable little man. Uh, just uh, just, just awful. <laughs> Me and Em were sending the classic uh, Pro ZD uh, clip to each other every time we uh ran into Tolton, where it's like this, he gets better, and then oh, I'm scared. I run one run, run away, <laughs> which is Tolton, but he never gets better. He's just that the entire game. He never gets better. <laughs> He's he never just gets that better. all the time. Uh, they suggest he gets better, but it does not happen. I have no. yet to see evidence of this. Tolden exists to give you good abilities and be a guy who sucks, and also to show off the power of HD video games by having a bejeweled chest plate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's it. That's his, that's his job. He's there to give Kaim his ancient family sword. <laughs> yes. I I found the sword of kings. Kaim, you take this. I suck. I suck. Here you go. I thank you. I've learned royal equipment. I will be using the like uh, ancient blade of of Ura because it does a lot of attack. I'm not. I'm not getting the Orichalcum from the uh, Temple of the Ancients. So fuck you. I got it, and I was like, "Fuck this!" I'm using the one that has 420 attack. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, and then we come to the the reason we're here, which is Cook and Mac, Kaim and Sarah's grandchildren. Uh, the best children in a video game, period. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Cannot be done better. Absolutely I, not. I love them. I love them so much. I would do anything for Cook and Mac. Um, it, it, they just love their mom. <laughs> it's wild because like you come you come across these kids, you're like, okay, kids in the game, whatever. They are just Palb and Porum for Final Fantasy IV. We can't ignore that. <laughs> It's a it's a brother and sister who do magic and they, they kind of look the same. It's like differentiated more than Palomporum, obviously, but um, they're just good. They're just good kids. Like they care a lot. They're empathetic and they go through a lot. And it's a like you spend a lot of time with them, just like empathizing with their mom dying and they're sad. And Cook's like, we need to be strong and we need to go out there. We need to do something with ourselves. And Max like, our mom's dead. It sucks. I want to cry a little. Let me cry a little. <laughs> you, can't, you can't cry, Mac. And he's like, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna cry anyway. And you know what, buddy? You cry all you want. Yeah. It sucks. And then they fucking steal a train and cause an international incident. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> we wanna, we're gonna steal this train. We want to see our mom. Even though we've already seen her twice. <laughs> um, yes. It's so good. It's really uh, good. I love them. They're so good. Uh, Cook is like, uh, she has this incredible bit where like Kaim has this dumb quote 
uh, when he beats the battle, when sometimes he'll just say, like, taking candy from a baby. <laughs> yes. And then, like, about two-thirds of the way through disc three, Cook would start just going, like, taking candy from a baby whenever she begins <laughs> the fight. It's so cute. I'm like, yeah, more of this, please. Yes. I love these kids. It's really they're, good. They're just the best. They're truly the heart and soul of this game. Uh, especially, like, the thing that this game does really well is the, the the adults all treat them, like, differently. And, like, according to their nature, but also as kids. Like, Seth's really protective of them. Is like, yeah, kids, you can come on and, you know, uh, you can join my pirate crew. Like, just, like, egging them on. Jan- cool aunt. Yeah. Uh, Jansen doesn't have a fucking clue what to do with these kids. Like, why are we taking kids? <laughs> <laughs> we're going I can't on handle a quest? kids. And like, oh, we were already watching you, Jansen. Like, it's basically the same thing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, it's just fun. It's it's good. I like it a lot. Uh, Kaim gets to like soften up around them in a way that I mostly appreciate. Uh, yes. yes, I think that the way they handle Kaim, because like Kaim's like classic stoic protagonist guy, uh, but it's not like his he. They're not like, oh, you have to make him open up, right? He's just, when kids are around, he's going to be nice to them. He doesn't have to, he's just like, yeah. like, like this. And I appreciate that there's not an arc about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just is how he is. Um, and then that's Sarah. Sarah's job is to be pretend mom. Sarah doesn't yes. have a character. So, Sarah um, doesn't have a character. It's really <laughs> weird. She wrote poetry until she manifested demons once. And that's it. That's her one character. And that's it. <laughs> uh, I've been there. <laughs> Ming is there too, but she's busy having her boobs out doing queen shit. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, Ming also doesn't have a character apart from pacifism, I guess. Oh, we need to mention this right uh, right now because I'm not putting it in otherwise. Ming and Jansen hook up, obviously. Jansen's like, oh, a queen. Uh, she's, you know, she's so beautiful and ethereal. And she's like, ah, oh, this little weasel man. Perfect. I, I need something <laughs> fun in my life. <laughs> I love them. I love them together. It's delightful. Yes. But when they get together one of the worst songs in video games plays which is the <laughs> fucking terrible song in this game can't emphasize enough how this is my first jrpg so i had never had the like big ballad play in a video game before when i played this so yes. when this happened and like the, the the shot before we cut to suddenly ballad playing is uh cook and mac fucking dying um, yes, they're like in the snow, <laughs> freezing to death, and then fucking Sheena Easton's here singing over this like love scene, and it's 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 so bad. It's a terrible ballad and intolerable. You know me; I deeply support the right of Nobuo Matsu to write terrible power ballads, as he continues to do for every single game. Now he doesn't add do any music, but he does come back to do an awful song. Um, I thought the Seven Remake one was all right. I'll be honest; it's not very good. He, it's it's better than this. I played it right after <laughs> this. It's better than this. Okay, it's better than this. But he hasn't wrote like a classic uh, vocal song since Sudeikis in May. Um, yeah, Eyes on Me was a long time ago, over twenty years ago now. He just he just likes this shit. He loves this kind of terrible power ballad, and you know, more power to him. When you touch me, it feels just like a dream with the warmth in your eyes when you look at me I hear your voice beside me it whispers to me I can't hide how it makes me feel the shyness you see I may never understand 
understand how deep it goes But I know how I feel What I hold deep in my heart There's just no way to stop this It's hopeless but true I feel this love more than anything So what more can I do? stronger than I am But then I feel the boldness that's inside my heart just melt away How I feel for you and what I want to say keeps getting locked inside I like to make what
me and uh, Ermatsu blasting uh, Eye on the Wind. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, but yeah, that song, I will put it in there, um, and it'll be great. You can all suffer, because I played probably the whole damn thing. It, it plays at the end of the game as well. It plays through the credits. It's the yeah. big song. Yeah. It sucks. And the soundtrack's mostly fantastic. Like, you know, the final boss Yeah, thanks for the rest of the music. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this game's got, like, some bangers. This is, like, late period of Amatsu, where he just, he'll just do whatever genre he feels like for any given song. Like, ah, oh, this this ice area is, like, weird electronic music. Sure, who gives a shit? <laughs> yep. It's good. Um, I like that stuff quite a bit. Um, let him come back and compose. I guess he's doing that that iOS game, but I'm not going to play that. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, he's also, like, done, right? Like, yes. He, he, he says in interviews, like, I'm checked out. I almost died that one time. Remember that time? Didn't say what happened. Remember that time where I was, like, very suspiciously gone, like I should have been dead? Yeah, we canceled, well, we canceled all my uh, my touring with my band, and uh, then I was fine. Turned out I was ill, but they didn't say how, in what way, so you know it was bad. You know, when Uematsu, like, was like, I am... Uh, Going in for surgery and taking time off was like, oh, he's like dead, dead because you know what that means. And luckily pulled through whatever it was, you know, not going to make him be public about it, but very clear that something went off and in his interviews. Now he's like, I don't know how much time I've got left. I'm not going to spend it writing a whole Final Fantasy soundtrack again. Are you fucking kidding me? Yep. King, 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 king. Yeah. Just let him play keyboard at his shitty metal band forever. He's he's busy being a summon in Grand Blue Fantasy now. <laughs> is he really? Yeah, here. Here's the... <laughs> here he is. Hit me. Hit me with this. Oh, that's... Yeah, oh, there he I is. Oh, I love it. Love it. There he Incredible. is. Uh, trivia. Nobio's design is based on Nobu Uematsu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the main composers for yes, Grand Blue Fantasy. Is. Done nothing else. Just one of the composers for Grand Blue Fantasy. No, he's just chilling there. <laughs> this is the Grand Blue Wiki, not the Final <laughs> Fantasy Wiki. You can have a sense of history, Grand Blue Fantasy. Absolutely not. Um... But yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, it's weird because, like, I like these characters a lot. They're in the most stock plot of, like, here's some kingdoms politicking and it's all boring and bad. And then Gongora showing up and being like, ah, the emotional virus. And you're like, I didn't, I, we're, let me hang out with Cook and Rack. Why are we doing yeah, can this? Can I just chill? Uh, and to me, this really drives home, like, you know, we covered a bunch of Final Fantasy in this. Like, people talk about Kafka. Kafka's like a, fi- a famous villain uh, because he has, like, a laugh on the SNES and he's a weird clown guy who, like, poisons a river and kills a town or whatever. And, that seems you know, pretty Kafka sick. Shit. Um, and I genuinely think that the difference that comes is now you have to listen to Gongora in endless cutscenes for an hour and a half, talk about his evil plans, and it ruined villains in JRPGs. Right, because the villain in this game is that he's basically doing the thing that a villain in a lot of JRPGs do, right? He has the opportunity that the heroes have, but decides he wants power, and the heroes are like, no, but friendship, right? Like, Kingdom Hearts is light, no. Uh, Kingdom yes. Hearts, it's, it's just that. It's, yes. it's this through all JRPGs, and um, this is like a problem a lot of them have to face, is that when you have the guy say that out loud for 90 minutes, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Uh, like... Vane was really boring. I don't know if you've played 12, Molly. I have played 12. Well, I've played a lot of 12. I got to Mount Burr, blah, 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 whatever. I feel like I beat that game. Yeah, you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And but like this game ends basically like Final Fantasy IV does. Uh, you kill the bad. You're the king, or told the king. All the parties doing their own thing and living their perfect lives. Uh, but the weight of the fact that it's voice acted, the fact that you've sat through all these cutscenes, and the fact that the world, because of this, has to have specificity, means that the ending felt. I, I'm like digging into why it felt so much worse. And like, I love the ending of Final Fantasy IV. I think it's great. Uh, I mean, Final Fantasy IV is a game about taking a whale to the moon to like the biggest dungeon in the like in the world, and it sucks. And but it sucks like the cooler. It's like this is hard. I gotta surmount this challenge to get here and beat the guy, and then you get a sick boss fight. And it's over. This is cutscene where you crash into the room where he's doing his dumb magic, where he's been planning this magic in cutscenes intolerably since the beginning of the video game. Uh, they'll always check back with Gongora, and I'm like, I don't need to know what he's doing. You can just tell me he's got some weird evil shit planned, and I can stop it when it's time. Um, but you see every step of it, and then he comes in and he gives a big speech, and it's two boss battles, and that's it. It's just so anticlimactic to me. It is very anticlimactic. Yeah. But it's very anticlimactic. I mean, even after that, like, the ending montage... Yeah. Um, when you're like, you know, living your life with uh, Sarah and um, Jansen and me are getting married and uh, everyone's king of their place and we've we solved the world. Um, I think I think those like cut those interstitial like scenes of everyone being happy make sense when they come at the end of a game that one is like 25 hours and yes. two is like text boxes. Like, you know, you meet characters in Final Fantasy four and they're six text boxes. And then that's it. That's the cutscene where you met them. Like you exchanged a hundred words and you didn't sit through a bunch of cutscenes with them. I think the only thing that really works for me in that final scene is like uh, Cook and Mac playing on the beach. Like they're just kids having a yes. good time. When and Sarah like, and Uncle Sed shows up and they're like, yeah. it's Sed! Yes, that's the good shit. Yeah. I like that Needs more stuff. hangout stuff. Like the, this is a game that doesn't understand that with the increased fidelity, you need space for characters to hang. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, which, it's, which is something like Final Fantasy's figured out. Like Seven Remake has, is at its best when it's doing this. 15 is a lot of this. Even 13 has moments that are like good because it's lightning and, and, and hope. Like she, he's like, oh, I, I need to kill this shitty guy who is mean to me. And she's like, well, here's a knife, kid. Go nuts. <laughs> Imagine that felt bit so funny in like retrospect because of how like the plot is like doled out in that game. Imagine you meet a kid; he's fourteen years old, and he's like, "Ah, oh, I hate um Ma." Like I'm trying to Sarah's lightning sister, right? And this yeah. kid's like, "My sister's husband. I'm gonna fucking kill him." You're like, "Yeah, here's a knife, mate." <laughs> what a ludicrous thing! Which. She gives she gives him the knife that her sister gave her like two weeks ago for her birthday. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh, incredible! So dumb. <laughs> you know what? I have the perfect item for this situation. <laughs> yeah, and this game has like some of that in the first half, but like it all falls away, and um, and it just left me thinking about the like JRPGs are a like fairly conservative genre in how they portray like all of their stories. Uh, not this is not universal obviously uh but especially in this fantasy stuff like you know there's a game in which the dark appears and then you beat it with the nobility of the good king and everyone gets married right like that is uh a format that this game holds true to and it is just something that like i'm not here to like be like oh this is the problematic stuff because we've done into like the politics of rpgs before but it works better when it's some sprites and a nice song and they're all doing the sprite dance compared to yes. when it's a full cutscene that I'm watching for half an hour. 
Yeah. It's weird because, like, I came back to this game and, like, I still really enjoyed playing through most of it. But, like, I I feel like I understand why it wasn't a huge deal. And that's not just that it wasn't on 360. It's like, this feels... it The, way, the game it is, it is, is often incompatible with the way it's presented. You know, like games that just moved on and the systems hadn't caught up yet. Like if this game was the exact same game, but it was on the DS and it lasted for 25 hours, I think people would fucking love it. I think it'd be like a very fondly remembered game. Yeah, but like among JRPG fans, no, no, yeah. you know, no one cares yeah, but about like, DS games. This is, a, this is a game now that like only exists as like, remember when Microsoft paid for a bunch of fake Final Fantasies? That's true. But it, it yeah. gets, it has importance by virtue of being a console game in the way that, like everyone loves DS RPGs, but like that's JRPG people. People are hard yeah. lost honestly. Yeah. But I think that's because of when it when it came yes. out. Like, if this was a PS3 game, people would remember it, but like it'd be one of twenty, right? Like nobody gives a shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it was because it was early enough, right? This is like three yeah. years before something like you know, Resonance of Fate or something.
It's time for questions. If you have questions, you can send them to pod. Oh, no, that's not it. That's not it. You can send it to abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, they can be about what we're covering for Game Club. It can be about any game. I like, if you guys want to ask questions about like obscure games, we might not have the answer, but we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll think of something to say. That's true. We will. Yeah. Um, so our first email is from Elijah, uh, who played this game with no prior knowledge of what it was and was really surprised wow. that it was just like a fake Final Fantasy. <laughs> That's right. Um, and then they were, uh, went on to write about, uh, he went on to write, uh, mostly he found the character designs, uh, bad. He specifically says the outfits, which I think is interesting because like this game famously ha- it has like a, who is the character designer here? It's I want to get his name. It's in here. So, um, let me find this. Uh, Takahiko okay, Inoue. So, yeah, Takahiko Inoue did. He's a he's a manga artist. He did Slam Dunk. He designed the people, um, but they had the Final Fantasy character like. Uh, like model designer Hideo Minaba designed the clothing uh, because they needed it to conform to what they could do with the Unreal Engine. So they couldn't have like swinging fabrics. Everything had to be like basically pasted to the model. Cause like we don't have the headroom to allow movable clothing. Oh, that explains a lot about the clothing in this game. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is often very weird, but is very much dictated by like, we can't have anything fluffy. We can't have anything swinging. It's got to be static ass shit. So they hired a guy who makes three foot tall hat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Big hat, big hat, big hat. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the concept artwork is uh, someone who'd worked on nine and like movies. They're like a fifth element designer. So I feel like if you know that, you're like, oh, that's why it looks like this. Yeah, it makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Elijah's questions is Kaim hot, which is uh, kind of a spinoff of the question or something me and Jackson were talking about, which is like, does Kaim count as like, you know, the, the particular, like the average anime, like, you know, Twinkie protagonist, I guess, to be reductive. Because there's art of Kaim who feels like that, but in game often he doesn't, but also this is a man who runs with no. his midriff out at all times. Yeah. I don't think he's hot. I don't know. I think there I think the art is better than the character model in terms of expressing a hot yes. man. But he does have kind of a weird face. That's just who he is. Yeah, he's just kind of got a I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just not into him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Not not a Keanu Reeves guy over here, so he is literally mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves. It is kind of fucked up because, like, the the, yes. the voice actor is doing Keanu Reeves the whole time. Mm-hmm. That's just not my thing. Yeah, fair enough. Uh let's see. We've got an email. F- is anyone hot in this game? Uh Seth. Oh, true. Yeah. But Seth's weird because Seth's character design is like, she's got these big fuck off boots, like just these real shit kicker boots, but she's like wearing a sundress with like a sword belt on it. It's very goofy. She, yeah. she looks like a, a character I would make for Monster Hunter. I would do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like that part of her a lot. She's just very incongruous as a character. Um, Alex Wrightson talks about uh, split screens. Uh, really surprising. Um, uh, though he mentions that they peter out. <laughs> the first half of this game is all the visual tricks, and then they all disappear. They had to finish this game. They had to finish the video game. Got, got tired. Yep. <laughs> got tired, boys. Yep. 
It's over. Uh, the questions. Do you think uh, anyone involved knows that Ming is just evil's Gongora? No, but also I don't think she's, she is, she is capable of doing harm, but she's not evil. She's doing harm for good reasons. <laughs> I would take, I'll take a tyrant queen that makes the kingdom good for a thousand years over a guy who's like, oh, love a love virus. No, thank you. Any day. The game just yeah, doesn't have 100%. the space for any discussion about like what, rulers do that affects people like it's all focused on the stuff Gongora does is evil and there's like some posters in her I guess but it's mostly about oh I want to destroy the mirrors or whatever there's no sense of like and this ruler makes this kingdom be like this apart from when he's like I made a caste system happen I'm in low town (laughs) Uh, do you have a favorite area or town oh Hmm. I uh that the Kiwolan village. Yes, the the weird uh battle royale that happens in the Keklan village is so funny. So fucking funny. <laughs> the, part, I love the part where Mac just signs up. He's like, I, I figured I'd do it too. I didn't realize I keep winning. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Because then you get like a really just like a cute cook and mac interaction, which at this point in the disc you haven't had in a while. And yes. you're like, oh right, I love these characters. Yeah. Right. That one's really good. Um, Mac, you enter two. You don't even cast white magic. Come on. Yes. <laughs> and then the big uh, Kalilion is uh, like amazing, just like a big guy. Um, we have an email from Nora, uh, which I, Molly's going to have to carry this one because Nora came to ask about naming characters, different things, talking about when she played Chrono Sugar, she named Chrono Frog after myself, renamed some other characters. And I think of those names, even though I know they're wrong. Uh, do you change the names when allowed? And do you have ever done that with canon names and have them stuck in your head? Which me and Jackson, I know is no, I'll look up if there's canon names in a game that like, doesn't give me a prompt for the default name. I was Googling like, what's the persona what's the um nocturne character's name when i was playing nocturne please dear god give me a name and i didn't there wasn't one if if there is just a blank one i'll usually and if, and if it's a blank one with no party i'll usually just put molly in yep. there just because you know i'm playing the video game but uh if it's like hey here you can change this name but you know this is cloud i'm like okay that's cloud, that's cloud. I, I don't have a better idea for the name of this guy his name is cloud he has a sword Yep. He has a sword. He because he's bored. <laughs> yeah, I've never been this person. I do like, in a, you know, when you get a game where you get to roll some characters, I'll roll my friends. I'll ask who wants to be in there, yeah. what they want. Like, that's always fun. But um, yeah, I'm never straying from the default names. Not in, a, not in an RPG. Uh, Adam writes in, do y'all ever feel like you hit a wall when playing a big JRPG and lose motivation to keep playing? What do you do to overcome those walls when you get to them? Stop playing the game. <laughs> Stop, stop. <laughs> I mean, if it's if it's for me, I might never come back. I'll be honest. I might just drop the game. But a lot, I what I typically do is try to take a couple weeks, like anywhere between one and three, go do something else, uh, get my like get it out of my head, and then like come back with with enough freshness where I don't have to start over anything. I I, I hate starting shit over because then I'm just wasting my time. Um, so that that's my advice. Just do something else for a while, like a different game, different, like read a book, like watch a TV show, whatever. Just get, drop it. Just drop it and don't let it. Don't let yourself burn out because burnout is real and sucks. Yeah, I played too much Lasosity in a week, which is like, yeah, you know, I left it late, but um, this is how I play games anyway. For uh, and uh, Lasosity just doesn't really like suit that kind of intensity of over a long period of time. Um, mm-hmm. 
it doesn't have like a loop like you know i played 100 hours of persona 3 or whatever and i didn't feel as burned out on that one because that game's about like a repeating loop this is like you know you're going through the dungeons see the story or combat at all times go 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 uh it's just a bit too long so i get i understand this kind of burnout um yeah. it happens to me all the time i guess I, I don't really have a good like solution for it other than yeah damn jrpgs be like this yeah. yeah uh mac writes in uh mentions uh that they had a load freeze up near the end of disc three and lost hours of progress around the sewers which rip no! that sucks <laughs> it's one of the worst times to have the game freeze up like that on you uh but uh they had uh, one of favorite thousand year dream stories where i think we covered that unless someone has something else yeah. they want to shout out um and then, what would your preferred reward be in a JRPG after extensive dungeon crawl? Do you prefer story progression? Have it all be for an item or weapon that makes the numbers go higher? What are you looking for? Uh, all of the above! <laughs> yeah, ideally both. Ideally both, that's true. I do like when I find... Uh, so I, my thing is, I want to find the sick weapon right before a boss. I don't want it after the yes. boss. I want to use the sick weapon on the boss. The weapons should be in the dungeon, and then once you beat the boss, you get a story uh, beat. Yeah. That's how it goes. That's that's JRPG. Yes. That's that's the ideal form of this for me, I think. But, you know, when enemies... when and, and If an enemy unlocks, like, a weapon, or it better be really fucking good. It better be like, man, I'm ready to go use this on some motherfuckers. Then it's fine. Yeah, there's a... And, you know, when you get to a new town and you see that there's new equipment available, I usually hold off on buying it because I'm like, I know the shit's in the next dungeon. I'm not doing this twice. Um, Amelia writes in, uh, I enjoyed Lost Odyssey, but I don't remember much of it other than the vague impression of liking the party and the short stories and grinding XP on the beach. Uh, do you <laughs> have any games that you think of fondly but don't actually remember in any detail? Every single one of them beyond the last six months. <laughs> <laughs> Final Final Fantasy Twelve. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I love that game. Could not tell you a thing about it. I hate that's that a game. Manufactured Nethosite. That's the long and short. I, no, um, I, I think this is just the, um, hate's too strong. But my point is, I have a negative opinion, and I think that's just what playing Final Fantasy Twelve is like. It goes in one side, out the other. Put on a podcast. Yeah. Do some. Um, I object to this. Final Fantasy Twelve. I don't even like Final Fantasy Twelve that much, but I remember a lot of it. <laughs> okay, let me let me do. What do I remember about Twelve? Uh, the, the stuff, the, you know, Rex. I remember maps. I remember like locations. I remember music cues. Like I have a lot of that game in my head. Man, that sucks. <laughs> then whatever. Like the story's bad, but like if I could play a game that that plays like Final Fantasy Twelve, but the story's good, it'd be one of my favorite games ever made. Yeah, I'm not saying this is a critique. I think the part where like. I played a lot of that and really enjoyed the playing part, but I think that the like mode it puts me into is one I'm not going to remember. Like you know, I, I I go through the dungeons and listen to a podcast. I am chilling. I I feel this way about thirteen two, which is a game I like a lot, but I I can only name a couple things that I really remember enjoying a lot because a lot of it is you're going through the locations of thirteen again, and um, uh, I like that hope's older. You know, like <laughs> you like the music's oh, good. Uh, this is the fucking road where the Pope called me Claire. Yes. <laughs> Final Fantasy twelve was my first Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. To give you any indication of why I did not jump to play more immediately. Uh, Lost Odyssey uh, was one of those uh, until today, I guess. Uh, you should play a better Final Fantasy. You should play Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I have it on my again. The Chocobo. They hate me. Uh, I I'll try again. You could do it. Uh, I have played eight, nine, ten, twelve. You play ten. 14. Ten's fucking great. I 
I uh, I didn't like it when I played it, but I was a different person. Okay. So I am nonstop laughing about your chocobo problems in Final Fantasy VII. You are like the Dark Souls master. Put easy in the chat. Can't be beaten by a video game. <laughs> and yeah, the choke the bit where you've got to get a chocobo to get across the one thing with the monster to the cave. You just Too use much. a geisha green and then you kill the other guys. It's impossible. <laughs> the chocobo they hate. <laughs> the Switch version is just, is devastating. Okay. I don't know, maybe I'll play that soon. When I finish Scarlet Nexus, uh, next month I'm playing Undertale for journal update. That's going to take me 10 minutes tops. Uh, so. <laughs> That's not true. Undertale's really hard. Undertale's easy. No, no. it's way too hard. Like, uh, easy fucking no, game. No, it's no. What are you talking about? Oh, I can't get the anyway, choke We're not getting it. We have a hard out very soon. So, James writes in, uh, as someone who never plays video games much, I enjoy the show as a peek to a hobby I'm not familiar with. Um... Would you recommend Lost Odyssey to a novice like myself? Which no, no, no hard stop, no. no. <laughs> I mean, Ultimately, oh, go ahead. It was my first JRPG, so I guess you know. But no. no. <laughs> Alternately, is there a game you talked about recently that you would instead recommend? Super Monkey. I'll open this. We haven't talked about this recently. Oh, but fuck you should play yeah. some Super Monkey. That's a fucking good video game. That's a great fucking game. I don't know how controlling it would be, but Outer Wilds is really good. People should play fucking Outer Wilds. Yeah. That's a good game. I think I think if as long as you're willing to stick with like uh navigating 3D space is hard, um you could figure it out. It's it's good. Play out Ratchet and Clank. Play Ratchet and Clank's great. And it's like it's like te- it's like 12 hours long. It's like really short. Like it's good. That's a bite size. Yeah. Um if you just want like a big story like fuck off story game, go play Disco Elysium. That you could that runs on a lot of stuff. Oh yeah. That's a good video game. That's a great game. It's a good fucking game. Yeah. Uh, but don't don't play. Please don't play Last Odyssey if you want an RPG. Do play Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy X. Um, Dia writes in with uh, I'm not going to count them, but hundreds of red rings, <laughs> and then underneath it, Born to Die, World is a Fuck, Kill 'Em All, 2005. I am Jay Allard. Four hundred and ten trillion seven hundred fifty-seven billion six hundred and oh, sorry, I counted wrong. Uh, Eight hundred sixty-four thousand five hundred thirty consoles dead. If an Odyssey is remembered, is it ever truly lost? No, I mean, that is people. No, t- to be fair, Kime basically says this. Yes. Um, <laughs> the thing is, is while people remember Lost Odyssey and some people like Lost Odyssey, it has no fandom. There's nothing. It is a it is a game that exists as like a Wikipedia page and a YouTube essay about remember when Microsoft did this. And that's like it. And people like will say, I like I like that game. But it, yeah, I mean, m- fandom's a weirdly specific thing now. Like if you don't fit into this doesn't have the things I associate with JRPG fandoms. It doesn't throw throw out that meat for people, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you... Uh, this one, This email is from Matt. Did you ever figure out the timing for effective ring use? I often felt like a fluke to get perfects. I would go in, like, trends where, like, for an hour and a half I was hitting every perfect. Then I'd just lose it for a little while. <laughs> I... Yeah, I, I, I mostly had it. I think that this is tuned to, like, perfection. It is so good. Because I could never get it 100% of the time. When I thought about it too much, I would lose it. Yes. <laughs> um, but I could get it consistently enough that I could tactically plan around it. It was. A I, had, I, had, I had, like, the Pokemon brain of, like, uh, Seth actually has a bigger window than Kaim. Because she, I get perfect with Seth more often than I get him with Kaim. So, clearly the game is secretly changing the timing windows for them. Yeah, it's fucking with you. <laughs> The time window is funny because I've started like looking up at the there's a countdown on the top of the screen. If you're holding, if you're holding like the right trigger before like the camera cuts, it'll always start at the same time. So you can look up and tell like exactly how like when the window is. 
Yes. Yeah, it's around 36. Yeah, I um, was, I got both 35 I and never used that. Never. I was just feeling it out. I wasn't using it, but I was, like, taking note yeah, of after just... the fact. Like, I wonder how big the window is. Um, yes. Did you ever use composite magic? No, I didn't cast a single composite spell in the game. I did early. Uh, and then I realized this is not efficient and it takes too long. Yep. Uh, are you out of your minds? Of course I use composite magic. <laughs> Once I had yeah. reduced casting two, I could get all Flareus off in one turn. No. Who had who had reduced casting two? Cook. Oh yeah, that explains. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I I kept thinking I was using custom, uh, composite magic, but no, all powerus is in spirit magic. <laughs> yes. Um. Did you get stuck on that big first major electric bug boss you have to fight twice, or was it just me? Ah, uh, yes, I got stuck there. I remember getting stuck there in 2009. Uh, I got stuck there then. I didn't get stuck there this time. I got it in one. Uh, I got. I think I just had my stuff lined up just the right. The boss that actually stymied me the most in this game was the the horse guys and the soldiers in the flower field. Yeah, game over like four that was times. so fucking hard. Yes. <laughs> that was my... I used all my items. Mm-hmm. That was my uh, one I struggled with back in the day, but I, I got through that this time just fine. Um, and then, uh, what's your favorite JRPG? Matt's Golden Sun Lost Age, which I have not played. I mean, probably FF10. I've forgotten every JRPG I've well, Jackson's ever played. Jackson's Final Fantasy uh, VII. I said 10, but sure. Oh, did you say 10? Okay, I didn't hear you. <laughs> uh, God, I don't know. I don't play a ton of them. I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I uh, If I figure it out, I'll post it later. Mine is Starshine 2, let's say. Just get off I'm changing my answer. What if it, I have to see how it goes by the end of the year, but Kodelka was really good. You're You're, you keep it's good, a crazy but... person when I'm like, oh, Kodelka, one of the, the best fuck? games I've ever played. Okay, <laughs> we have to keep going. We're running on our oh, uh, yes. hard against the so, We've got a question from Simon. Uh, I remember being a big fan of the little bye-bye Seth does when you deal a final blow. Uh, Is there any barks that you like uh, and remember fondly from other video games? And if you would do the honors. Aha! Is this our chance? (laughs) (laughs) Not even the one I was thinking of, but pretty good. What one were you thinking of? That's the power of the Keyblade. (laughs) Oh, that's why Keyblade is definitely one of them. Yes, that one's really good. Uh, I have all the ones from Tyranny stuck in my head right now. I fucking hate <laughs> They're them. They're so bad. They fucking suck. Updated my journal. Uh, the, the, oh, Tyranny, Tyranny one journal. is just like the character being like, oh, my blade is stuck on the cloth or whatever. Like, just, it just, yeah, everyone complaining <laughs> about how they I suck. I suck at this. Yes. I'm going to run away. <laughs> have I ever even killed anyone before? Uh, I think yeah. that enemy got the point. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It is that level. <laughs> uh, Jerry Wright said, I remember back when Lost Odyssey was on the review circuit, Shane at 1UP used to criticize the visual novel segments as being a misuse of games medium's potential for storytelling. Looking back at that sentiment a decade plus later, it's easy to find it retro- uh, funny in retrospect. What other mid-2000s game coverage hot takes make you chuckle? Uh, Everyone hating Dynasty Warriors. Into it. People hating Dynasty Warriors is a big one of them. Uh, the idea that God of War was like a revolutionary action game that changed the genre, really fucking funny. It's just, you just press the, uh, whatever. Yeah, no, yeah. just Square Square Triangle, <laughs> the video the game. Buttons, there's, it's, there's not even nuance to it. It's not, Devil May Cry was already out. You could just play a good one of these. <laughs> uh, God, there were so many, like, stupid takers taking as wisdom back then. Yep. 
Uh, uh, I always, I always, oh. the people who wanted game, like ever thought games were too short, uh, has always been really funny to me because I've Especially even now. when I had a, like a, yes, even when I was like much younger, I always want my games to be shorter. I don't want to waste my time with this bullshit. <laughs> I, I, you've been wanting me to play Fifteen for ages, and I'm so excited about it, but like about the structure of that game because I know everyone complains. But the idea of a game that's only open for the first half is like finally someone that understands how everyone plays video games. Yes. Um, I just my favorite JRPG is Tales of Vesperia with a bullet, no problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, duh. Fair. I haven't played any of them. I should. You should. I'm playing Tales of Berseria with Chris right now. It's great. Uh, Dan writes in and talks about gameplay or combat systems that reflect the way the world works, but then goes on to talk about like early Shadowrun, which none of us can speak to. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what are your favorite battle systems in JRPG system in, in JRPGs? Um, whew, I mean, probably thirteen. Um, I really like twelve and like Xenoblade Chronicles, like that kind of like fake MMO fake style. MMO, yeah. I need, I need to play Xenoblade. Yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles two. Actually, I kind of like that combat system. I just wish it was a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I really like uh, East Othenfogana, just blazing fast, sick combat. Those those games are great. All you need is a, a an attack combo and a dodge roll, and you can do anything. That's that's the secret. I think that's what Tales of Berseria is doing, and if it keeps it up, it's probably going to be up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Taryn writes in, um, have. Uh, any RPGs you played made actual use of your entire party in the end game slash final boss, either narratively or mechanically. Um, hmm. I mean, is Rogue Galaxy a JRPG? Yes, I think it Rogue is, Galaxy is right? absolutely a JRPG. Right, yes, half of my crew was completely underleveled, and you have to use everyone for the last fight. So I did not finish that game. Oh um, no! Is it Final Fantasy VII yes. where the better you do, the more party you have to use for the final boss? Yes, it's yeah. like the quicker. It's like the the. It's dictated by, I think, speed and how what level you are. Yeah, which sucks because, uh, yeah, the better you, the better the better uh, like three characters are, the more you have to use the people who suck, like Kate Sith. And I'm like, I don't want to. That luckily um, that fight's piss easy. So, yeah, you know, you want to solve this problem? Only having four characters or like whatever the party size is. Uh, you use every character gets used in Earthbound because that's it. That's all the characters you get. That's everyone. Taps my head three times. Yep. Uh, and then one uh, that's, uh, you know, glad we have Molly here. Arenas and Apex. Have you tried them out? And th- what do you feel about them? I like the idea. I don't think it's very good. I don't know. I, I played some of it. I would rather play the Battle Royale. Yeah, I'd also play uh, Battle Royale. The, I, I kind of don't like the one the one life. Uh, I, I wish it was Deathmatch. If it was Deathmatch, I'd be happier. I don't like the one life round thing. Doing mm-hmm. a Counter-Strike uh, thing is weird, I, yeah. Yes, I, I, I would I would like it more if it was just death. I Can do we just like a gun two? buying. I've never played a gun buy game, and I actually do enjoy that part. I think the thing with the gun buying is that the, it's basically it's so irrelevant to the strategy because by the time you're in like round three, I can have everything. So well, like, I mean, what I do is I I pick a gun that I like and max it out, and I've I've definitely seen people do well like mixing guns up, and that's just not how I play. So. Um. But I mean, like the yeah. the first round is limited. I know what I'm doing there, and then yeah. eventually it opens up. I I just don't think it like has enough like decisions to make the gun buying necessarily interesting. Though it, it's fine. It's like fine as a system, but it. it I bet like that's I bet that's not true. If we got if we got better at it, maybe maybe. 
Because by the end, you get one gun to purple or you get like two different guns to like blue. And I bet there are people who do really well getting two guns to blue or whatever. Yeah, I, I, you I can go, like you can like preemptively charge your alt faster and stuff like that. Like there's there's options there. Right, I always just go give me the purple gun. <laughs> yes, me too. Uh, but I do. My thing with Apex is I like the downtime. I like when we're just like crawling up hills yes. and being like, "What the fuck we're we gonna do here?" Um, and the arena mode naturally doesn't have that. It's like a nice different thing. But and I I'd like them to experiment with more different things. But it's not it's it's not like scratching the itch in the way that I would expect. But we've all called. I think I get too intense without the downtime yeah we've also all kind of fallen off apex like we've just been busy with a bunch of other stuff um i'm ready i'm ready to go I would again like to go again yes um, they have a new event coming out so maybe we should we yeah. no longer have a 60 hour jrpg to play yeah we true. only have a 30 hour one for two months time um yeah uh anyway that's it uh, next month, we are playing Metroid Prime 2. Uh, we're going to have Dan back doing that. Uh, the J- year of JRPGs carries on, and the month after that, we announce ahead of time, we are doing a trilogy of games. Uh, we're going to have a guest on, uh, Dia Lucina. Um, and we're playing the Tokyo RPG Factory games, all three of them. Uh, we each picked one. Uh, we are not necessarily playing the others, though if someone wants to be ambitious, they can do that. I will not be that ambitious. I am playing I Am Setsuna. Dia is playing Lost Sphere. Jackson's playing Oninaki. And that's what we're doing. Uh, I've got two minutes left. So plugs, Molly, would you like to go? You can find me on Twitter at your friend Molly, the Y-E-R. You could find me over the secondbestgame.club journal updated here on Abnormal Mapping, uh, as well as uh, Idle on Playtest over on Audio Entropy, as well as Totally Reprise on Audio Entropy. Yeah. Uh, Jackson. You can find me at headfullsoff on twitter.com, where I will be posting some dumb stuff. You can find uh, the other podcasts that me and M do at abnormalmapping.com. They're cool. Listen to them. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. Uh, you can support all of our podcasts at patreon.com slash mapping. For $1, you get Gundam every week. We're watching Turn A Gundam. It's pretty sick. We're watching The Big O also. That was also pretty sick. Um, for $5, you get Blockbusters. We're about to cover Final Fantasy Spirits Within. We're recording that probably this weekend or Monday, and that'll be out very soon, so please enjoy that. And then uh, at $10, you get VoIP Life, where we just talk about some bullshit. If you want to keep, keep up on Kingdom Hearts lore without watching videos about Kingdom Hearts lore, Jackson's got your back on VoIP Life. Uh, Unfortunately, I do. VoIP Life is great. <laughs> um, and that's everything, so uh, please check out all the various links that are in the show notes, and uh, thank you everyone for supporting us. Tell your friends if you like the show. Uh, word of mouth is how we get around. That's it. Thank you, Molly, for coming on. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, goodbye. <laughs>